of the night welcome to episode 169 of talking taker our encyclopedic exploration digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time the undertaker my name is alex dorio i am one of your co-hosts one of your creatures of the night and i am joined as always by my tag team partner my wrestling buddy he is coming at you like a bat out of hell he is mr travis white travis hell has frozen over we're talking the final match in the history of brock lesnar and the undertaker we're stepping inside Hell in a Cell 2015. Can you believe it? <laughs> Can you believe that, that is the second meatloaf reference in my life in the last two days? Uh, <laughs> believe. Why, why is there not more? It, it happened on <laughs> Halloween. Uh, we're recording this on a Monday. It happened on Halloween. Yeah, that, another meatloaf reference. So that's the Was second one. Rocky um, Horror Picture great... Show related? No, it was uh, my asked me to do something. I said I will do anything for love, but I won't do that. So that was just my answer to them. <laughs> so you you yeah. instigated it. Yeah, I instigated it. So and then actually today somebody said something that came flying out of work. I said, man, it came out like a bat out of Hades. So I guess there's a third one in the last uh, three days. So anyway, that's a good week. Yeah, man, too much meatloaf. No way. <laughs> no sense. <laughs> some more meatloaf, baby. <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> I don't even like the real meatloaf. I like that guy. I don't like the food. I want meatloaf. More meatloaf. Anyway, yeah, man, this is off to a great start. Great start. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, meatloaf. (laughs) Well, like we said here, this is one of the Undertaker's most prolific rivalries against Brock Lesnar. So many matches over... 13 years, all of them honestly, really, really great matches. Some of Nantager's best matches, some of his most brutal matches indeed, Mm -hmm. but obviously a sore subject because uh, easily the most one-sided rivalry in the history of The Undertaker here too, but uh, one final match it's got to take place. There's only one place that can contain it is inside Hell in a Cell. You know, it's kind of like Kind of like what our country's going through right now. It's like, you know, this week's election week. It's like Trump and Biden going inside Hell in a Cell. Just that's the only place that could contain them. You know, I think that would fix everything if they could just go back and do (laughs) that. I wish that was how we could select this. What time of this this drops, we'll already know. Well, hopefully. Exactly. So we are recording this Monday night, folks. So we don't know what's going to happen in the next three days. So if... uh, (laughs) Who's going to take an F5 on the exposed... Exactly. <laughs> if we make a weird joke or a reference that you know doesn't make sense over the next three days, just that, that we recorded this in the past. But uh, yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the warning here tonight. But yeah. we're we're gonna try to take your mind off of all that insanity because uh, I'm sure this will be a crazy next few days, and we're gonna take our time traveling hearse all the way back to August of 2015 and tell you how we get to this uh, brutal final battle, brutal and bloody final battle between The Undertaker and Brock Lesnar here as we head back to the Monday Night Raw after SummerSlam 2015. 
Picking up after that controversial ending to last week's episode to that match between Lesnar and Undertaker where it appeared that the Undertaker tapped out. Uh, the referee rang the bell prematurely without the, or, or, or the timekeeper rang the bell prematurely without the referee's signal. And then the Undertaker ended up getting the uh, getting the win over Brock Lesnar, even though Brock Lesnar did not tap out. Gave him a middle finger as he faded off into oblivion. Uh, but Brock Lesnar is going to come out with Paul Heyman in a very, very bitter mood to address this controversy from last night. And I'd be bitter too. Uh, wouldn't you, Travis, if you had cuts and scrapes and bruises all over your face? <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you're Brock and you look like this, it's like you've been in a train wreck, man. He was beat up. I had no idea how beat up he was. Yeah. Like, his so, eye is like bloodshot and everything. It's crazy. Yeah, he looks like he got the the rough end of it here. And he truly did here as uh, he's got a sour look on his face. And Paul Heyman gets right into it. He says, what happened last night? I'll tell you what happened. After 25 years, The Undertaker finally tapped out. But instead... What the history books are going to talk about is The Undertaker getting a win after all these years against his client, Brock Lesnar. A disputed win. But it is an indisputable fact that Brock Lesnar forced The Undertaker to tap out. And Heyman mm -hmm. throws to a replay on the screen, of course, showing The Undertaker, tapping Brock Lesnar, and telling him that he gives up. Heyman says the video does not lie. And then he goes on to describe what exactly tapping out means. And I love his description of it as he says. Yeah. You know what that means? Tapping out? It means the Undertaker said, Brock Lesnar, you're a better man than I am. You're a better wrestler than I am. You're a better fighter than I am. Brock Lesnar, please let go of my arm. I can take it no more. It's like a little kid in a schoolyard getting his ass kicked, getting in a field position, saying, please leave me alone. Or in this case, please leave me alone. <laughs> Which is, that's not typically how you think of The Undertaker. No, but he's not wrong. I mean, that's great. He's not wrong, no. Heyman says that footage that he just showed pretty much ruined people's childhood. Uh, it's basically the same as telling these kids that there's no Santa, there's no Easter Bunny, is telling them that The Undertaker tapped out. Uh, Heyman says... He's he in the crowd of actual children. <laughs> he says he's that. a heel. He's a heel. He can say that. Yeah, but what if those kids don't know that? <laughs> Their parents can tell him he's a liar. He's Paul Heyman. <laughs> That's true. Uh, he's, a, <laughs> he's a Jew. You know? <laughs> what? Whoa, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> of course he doesn't believe in those things. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, Heyman says he doesn't blame the timekeeper for ringing the bell and causing all that confusion last night because the timekeeper had compassion on The Undertaker. He understood that Brock Lesnar would have ripped The Undertaker apart if he held him in that hold. And Heyman says, I'm, I'm going to get real with you. Let's go ahead and talk about it. The internet is talking all over today about how The Undertaker collapsed backstage after this match, just like he did at WrestleMania. So I actually pulled it up. It's, there's an article on Bleacher Report from from this uh, from the night after SummerSlam where uh, you got some fans 
uh, on their cell phones shooting The yeah. Undertaker as he walks towards the backstage area and, and collapses right before he gets back there. So um, pretty sure it's all part of this storyline yeah. because Paul Heyman like retweeted it and was making fun of Undertaker for it. I think they're kind of going for that work to shoot feel, but um, yeah. you know, it's, it's a nice, interesting twist on things. Oh yeah. I, I dug it. I remember that happening too. And yeah, this time, I mean, in 2014, WrestleMania right. was legit, but this time it's like, we know that people will think it could be legit because because it actually happened. So let's go with it. So exactly, and it, it helps build the story here as we head into the Hell in a Cell. So I like it. Heyman says that the desperation of the Undertaker was evident when he kicked Brock Lesnar right there in the Jimmy John yet again, and uh, showed just his desperate need to to um, tap Brock Lesnar out. But Brock Lesnar refused to tap out. And instead told Undertaker to G-F-Y as he faded out, which, uh, I don't, what does that stand for, Travis? Huh? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> no speculation? Nothing. No? Okay. I got nothing. Because I can only think of what it stands for. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you, Taker. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. You told him he was number one. So yeah, good for you, buddy. One. Good for you. That's what it was. <laughs> Tell me a second. I got there. I think we should make new Talking Tanger t-shirts that say GFY on the front. And on the back, it says good for you. <laughs> Talking Tanger podcast. GFY. The Talking Tanger podcast is, G- is GFY. It's good for yeah. you. Yeah. It's good for you. Hey, all right. Whoever wants to design that, we'll take the best one. <laughs> I'll tell you cow. GFY if you go make it. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, Heyman uh, uh, continues on saying Undertaker might be the aging gunslinger, but he can't shoot with Brock Lesnar. And um, says they're out here tonight because Brock Lesnar wants to fight The Undertaker one more time. He's not here to issue a challenge for Survivor Series, WrestleMania, or Royal Rumble, or Madison Square Garden. Not for Saturday, not for Sunday, not for church, not for heaven. He ain't waiting for hell. He's challenging The Undertaker right here in Brooklyn tonight. And uh, Lesnar gets all hyped up. He rips his shirt off. It's business time. And Mm -hmm. someone's going to come out here to answer the challenge. But it's not The Undertaker. It's Bo Dallas. (laughs) Good for you. Good GFY, Bo Dallas. GFY. He does a lap around the ring and gets in the (laughs) ring on the microphone and tells... Mr. Brock, that he has good news and bad news. The bad news is that last night, Brock Lesnar passed out. The good news is that he eventually woke up. And he probably had a sweet dream that he actually beat The Undertaker. And Bo tells Brock, Brock, you can make those dreams come true. All you have to do Oh, Man, what, how, how you feel about Bo Dallas, Travis? My favorite part of this whole thing is when he comes out and JBL says, that's the dumbest human being on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> He's shooting. That's my favorite part of the storyline. Man, I'll tell you what. Bo Dallas, uh, 
I didn't mind him in NXT when he was champion. He was kind of a heel, like a good good heel champion. Um, guy you wanted to see get his behind handed to him, you know. Um, he did not translate well to the main roster, but he is hilarious to me when he does stuff like this. This is perfect. Like, I'm laughing at it because it's so stupid. And, like, JBL is just crapping on it, and I love it. So I'm fine with it. He's never going to be an intercontinental title type guy or anything, but he's – He's fun for his little niche role of a comedy character. Oh, yeah. He plays this role perfectly. Yeah. Uh, that night where he got kicked out of NXT and the whole crowd was chanting, Bo, leave. Bo, yeah. leave. Like, yeah. that's one of my favorite NXT oh, yeah. moments of all time. <laughs> he tries to get back in the building. That, that stuff's great yeah. here. Uh, and Brock, he's not a big fan of Bo Dallas here tonight because he just murders him with a clothesline, takes him to Suplex City a couple times, and then he's going to leave. But before he can get to the top of the ramp, Paul Heyman makes it clear that he hates Bo Dallas even more than Brock yeah. Lesnar does because he tells him, go get you one more. And Brock Lesnar <laughs> runs back in the ring, hits another German suplex, he goes to Bo Leave one more time, and Heyman says, yeah, give me one more. And Lesnar <laughs> goes in and hits an F5, and then Heyman gets on the mic and tells Bo that Brock Lesnar, Bo Leaves. So, there you go. Man, highlight of of uh, Bo Dallas's career right here, getting suplexed by Brock Lesnar. <laughs> oh, yeah. Highlight you know, of Raw, man. They should make Bo Dallas the spokesperson for Bo Jangles. Uh, well, that's I was like thinking a, the same thing. <laughs> bow leave and your bow berry biscuit and your yeah. bow rounds. Come on, man. That's Let's a layup. One, one bow round. Yeah, exactly. It's great. <laughs> it's always one bow round. I love Bojangles. It's great. So, Best fries those, in fast food, man. If you if ooh. you don't know Bojangles fries, you, you're not living. They're so good, man. So good. I'll put them up there with checkers, man. They're just great. Great stuff. Or rallies, whatever. Wherever you're from. Yeah. That was, that was uh, yeah, very memorable segment. Memorable Raw. This was the one with Dudley Boys come back, dude. I remember that. That was awesome. Dudley Boys come Sting. Back. Yeah, and then Braun Strowman debuted that night as well. And then Sting comes out as the statue of Seth Rollins. This is a big night in Raw. Yeah. I remember all those things separately, which is funny. I didn't with know they were his... all on the same night. But... It was Sting's makeup halfway off his face. That's the only <laughs> yeah. part of that that sucks, dude. He's sweating like a, like a hog under there, dude. He's like, so hot. So... Oh, anyway, well, that's going to take us to uh, Night of Champions, at, uh, which, again, there's no Undertaker stuff uh, through here. And so, but this is um, the next pay per view. This is where Sting fights Rollins. But they've edited this, this clip off the network, but it is still available online. And we'll see it in subsequent episodes of Raw. But it's for it's a promo that plays here at Night of Champions on September 20th for Brock Lesnar's Go to Hell Tour. So Heyman's doing a voiceover hyping Lesnar's appearances all throughout the month of October. So they're really putting the hype machine, uh, the promotional, you know, material behind Brock Lesnar. And we mentioned this after, you know, WrestleMania 30 that was it the right choice to pick Brock to beat Taker? That's neither here nor there. But what they were going to do with Brock moving it forward, making him a, uh, what do you call it, like a, you know, a special attraction you know that that if that was the goal then it succeeded because they did stuff like this nobody else gets this 
particular tour you know they have of their own but you know he's Heyman's highlighting Brock's appearances they've got Brock versus Big Show at Madison Square Garden coming up Brock on Stone Cold's podcast and then they just announced it here at Night of Champions Brock versus The Undertaker at Hell in a Cell in a Hell in a Cell match so uh, Heyman touts it as Brock's most formidable opponent in the most formidable match in WWE so I have no clue why it's cut off the network here because, like I said, it's in subsequent episodes wrong. I have no That's weird. no idea. Yeah, maybe they played some weird song over it on that night or something. I don't know, but anyway, might play Meat Love. They could <laughs> Paradise <laughs> like a Brock out of Hell. Exactly. Well, that would have been great. So, that would have been awesome. But, uh, yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, the MSG show is on the network. We'll talk about that in a minute. But um, anyway, it was a really interesting way to announce that Brock and Taker would face off, I guess. You know, they weren't – they were just – you know, again, nowadays we got the network. And so they can use different avenues. There's no competition. TNA wasn't really much of a competition back then. So, you know, there's different they're, – they're doing different things. And I give them kudos for trying something else here, you know. Yeah, so. I, I kind of wish it would have been – Something more of Undertaker oh, sure. responding to Brock Lesnar's yeah. challenge, um, and and they actually do this again uh, going into Survivor Series, which which I'll, I'll talk about uh, towards the end of the show. That that I wish they had done a little bit differently. But oh, for sure for that, yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you gonna do? But um, yeah, yeah. So uh, like you mentioned, Brock Lesnar is gonna move on to this little mini feud with the Big Show here uh, for the next few weeks to kill some time. Before yeah. Hell in a Cell, basically, and they try to rehab Big Show by having him get a couple wins over Cesaro and Mark Henry on a couple episodes of Raw, and then they do this live from Madison Square Garden special that aired on the WWE Network, uh, which you know, the, I I guess the thing is that the rights to air live TV from Madison Square Garden are, are crazy expensive now, and mm-hmm. you know they like to do the pay per views from the Barclays Center instead of MSG these days but msg is still very sentimental it's always cool when they when they do things from there and apparently this is brock's first appearance at msg since he came back to wwe and we were there at his last appearance at msg (laughs) wrestlemania 20 uh episode 100 of this podcast if you want to go back in the archives and hear uh, a rare quote-unquote live episode from us as we describe uh watching that match and and all the other things there live but um everybody msg gave them the gave them the good for you (laughs) he sure (laughs) did but they like him a lot more on on this night travis you can tell he's been eating his baby face pops cereal (laughs) because he gets a huge one tonight crowd loves him and it goes a lot better for him here on this night because he defeats Big Show uh, in a pretty quick but also a pretty fun match because it's just these two guys yeah. hitting a bunch of finishers on each other for like yeah. five minutes. Big Show hits a couple joke slams and Brock throws Big Show around. That's always fun to see here. Uh, but Brock gets a pretty definitive win over Show to give him another boost here uh, heading into the uh, feud with Undertaker, kicking back into gear again the next night on Raw. Yeah, so on October 5th of 2015, this episode of Raw, uh, Brock Lesnar and Heyman are going to open the show. We see highlights from you know Brock defeating Big Show at MSG. And this was that era of Big Show where the fans would chant, please retire at him. Which <laughs> is brutal. Yeah, it's, it is brutal. So um, <laughs> Heyman 
uh, calls Brock the Slayer of the Giant, the Conqueror of the Streak, and tonight's Beast of Boston. So, again, you're saying stuff like that. He's going to be a babyface. So, big old Suplex City chance from the crowd again. He is all in as babyface here. But uh, uh, Heyman says that since the Go to Hell tour has been kicked off and the show has been defeated, the focus is now on Hell in a Cell. He says, ever since November 1990, The Undertaker has dominated everyone coming to his path. But Undertaker must learn that this is a fight that he cannot win. He says that, you know, Taker has always gotten revenge on anybody who's ever done anything to him, but not Brock Lesnar. So he says that uh, Taker considers Hell in a Cell to be the devil's playground, but Brock considers it to be the lair of the beast. So they should have the la- a lair of the beast match. That'd be great. So. Ooh, I'd like to see that. <laughs> That's like something Matt Hardy would do, like <laughs> AEW. Lair of the beast match. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, Heyman says that Hell in a Cell isn't Taker's match anymore, just like WrestleMania isn't Taker's anymore. Which that's pretty, that's pretty, uh, you know, pretty savage. Pretty, uh, pretty savage comment right there. So, but then we see highlights from WrestleMania 30, the end of the streak, and then Paul again reiterates what he said before SummerSlam about Taker's been plotting revenge for a year and a half, and then he got desperate and realized that he's not man enough to get revenge on Brock Lesnar. So then we see highlights of the ending of their match at SummerSlam with the low blow and the tap out and all that. And then Paul says that uh, he doesn't remember Brock ever having to use a low blow against Undertaker, but that's what Taker had to do. Mm. He's, which is not, you know, he's not telling anything untrue right here. So Remember that, folks. Yeah, exactly. Remember that. So he says, All of you will walk out of hell in a cell and ascend to the heavens as the victor, as the winner of this storied rivalry, forget the PG vernacular, of this war. One of you walks out the winner of the history of Brock Lesnar versus The Undertaker. The other will not walk out of that cell at all. That's not a prediction. That Undertaker is a spoiler. Well, <laughs> it's a big show. Show didn't get renewed. Uh, <laughs> Maybe it come out on Quibi. Oh, Maybe. wait a second. Oh, dang it. <laughs> yeah, it'll go to the WWE Network. It probably will. Um, <laughs> big show comes out. Gets in the ring with a Why? Bike. Why can't we not get rid of this guy, dude? We cannot escape him on this show. Well, the fans are chanting, please retire, which, again, that's painfully that's horrible to yell at anybody. I, I kind of feel that way, but I, I still feel bad for him. I don't, oh, yeah. That's, that's mean. That's, I that's that too way far. At this point. Yeah. I got sick of seeing him just in the main event scene. Like, just, I don't know. Him yeah. and Kane were drove me crazy. Just as the authorities henchmen and stuff, it just drove me crazy. But I never want to retire. I still have a lot of respect for Big Show, man. It just I, I like it more now than I did still, back then. Still main eventing WrestleMania in twenty twenty. Exactly. Exactly. But um Big Show says that he got taken to Suplex City and he offers his hand to shake and Brock just laughs at him and walks away because why would he want to shake his hand? So, yeah, no reason that Show and then as he's leaving, Big Show gets on the mic and says, "You know what? I hope that you lose to Undertaker again." So that doesn't sit too well with the Beast. So he gets back in the ring and JBL says that Big Show threw down a card and Lesnar picked it up, which he didn't say Punk, but that's what I he, know. He meant that's a, what I he know. meant. That's exactly he meant what he punk meant. Punk card. 
but uh, he did not say. Maybe he didn't want to give that away, a kayfabe away on uh, on audio. I don't know. It, it probably not allowed to say the word punk in 2015. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, too soon. Too soon after too punk soon. left. So, yeah, but I did appreciate him at least mentioning that. So, he, he, yeah, we know what he's talking about. We know, we know. But he gets in the ring and lays out Big Show with a belly to belly, and then an F five. So, again, just really putting Brock on a pedestal here. Just. Again, he, he, he ended the streak, and the, and in my opinion, I wrote this in my notes, that there's nobody else you could insert into Brock's place in this story or in history uh, in WWE mm. and make this right. as believable yeah. as it was at the time. You know I mean? Nobody else is out there belly to belly in the big show over their head, you know, and handling Mark Henry and handling these guys and, you know, pinning the Undertaker. Like, no one else could. Like, it just, I don't know. It just he's the guy that has to be there doing I'll it. I'll never get tired of seeing it either. I, I No. Brock throw a 500-pound man on yes, his shoulders and toss him around. It's it's wild. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I never get tired of seeing that, but next week on Raw, on October 12th, 2015, uh, we see something that uh, probably should never have to see, and that is a tweet <laughs> from Brock Lesnar. That yeah. sentence should never have yeah. to be said here, but... They're going through. I, I'm sure he no. didn't actually write this. I'm sure someone in WWE posted this right. on, on his account. I'm sure Brock Lesnar doesn't even know how to access Twitter here. But uh, it's a tweet that says, 13 days till at WWE hashtag H-I-A-C, and that will be an unlucky 13 for The Undertaker. Uh, so using social media to build up to the pay-per-view here. I guess that was still kind of novel in 2015. As Cole mm-hmm. tells us that at Hell in a Cell, it will be the culmination of a 13-year rivalry. Which is interesting that he says that because yeah. that's kind of the extent of them alluding to the full past of Undertaker Brock Lesnar, which is one of the disappointing things yeah. for this rivalry. I'd say one of the only disappointing things, because overall, this story's been pretty fun for yeah. uh, the SummerSlam match years. and this match. Obviously, the WrestleMania 30 part is, is very disappointing and um, you know lackluster in a lot of ways, but this SummerSlam match and this Hell in a Cell match that we get to, a lot of good stuff going on here. But they never talk about the fact that these guys had some barn burner matches in 2002 and they had a long rivalry between them and they had a hell in a cell match previously yeah. that was awesome and brutal uh and i just wish they'd have showed some footage of that kind of stuff along the way i mean they, they kind of will say it uh in some ways but that just it, I, I don't think I, I get for some reason they think they only want to focus on the present but I don't know. Adding in the past stuff would have would have made it better. What do you think? Yeah, I that's my my nitpick with this thing. It was kind of like the Triple H uh, WrestleMania matches too. Mm. Like they didn't ma- they didn't mention it until after they had the second one. You know, it's like oh yeah, by the way, I actually have wrestled in main, at WrestleMania before. So it just yeah. that kind of stuff drives me crazy. And yeah, it could add so much more to the story. You know, um, because you could go back there. They, yeah, they were two different guys. I don't know if they don't want to do that because Taker was American, like big or big evil. But I don't know what the deal is. But like, yeah. But back then, Brock owned Taker every time, so that would be right. more to the story. I agree. Like, I don't, I don't know, I don't get it. But anyway, that's my only nitpick. We can because I, I really dig everything that they that they feed us here. 
So, real quick, they just show some videos throughout this episode of Raw. I'm sure you can find them on YouTube if you want, but they break it into three chapters. Uh, chapter one is the shock, which shows the end of the streak. Chapter two is the controversy, which shows the end of SummerSlam. And chapter three is the final chapter, Goes to Hell, which shows Undertaker's history in Hell in a Cell combined with the path of destruction that Brock Lesnar has been on for the past couple years since he has come back. So uh, simple, basic storytelling here, but... <coughs> When you have the history and the presence that these guys have, uh, you can get away with just showing some little stuff like this. So, yeah, um, and we'll see that promo a lot more. Yes, we'll see all this stuff. Yeah, so that's just going to take us to the go home show for Hell in a Cell. So this is Raw, October nineteenth, twenty fifteen, and Stone Cold Steve Austin opens the show in Dallas tonight. So this is the first time Austin's been on Raw in over four years, which I. Didn't realize that, but I guess it was Mania 27 when he was last on the show. So, um, yeah. Another show we were at. Yeah. Exactly. So, got bad luck with uh, Brock Lesnar and Stone yeah. Cold. They both, <laughs> we go to WrestleManias with them and they both disappear. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so bad. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, because he'd been on, he was at WrestleMania 30, you know, for the opening thing with, um, Rock and hug, but he had no wall or anything. So, um, distance himself maybe. But uh, he's he's here to promote the you know the podcast uh, immediately after Raw. He's going to interview Brock Lesnar. So, but he's also going to welcome his guest at this time, The Undertaker. And then he just disappears. Like <laughs> he welcomes Taker out, and then he's not seen again. I have no <laughs> idea where he went. How so, rude to your guest. Yeah, I know. Seriously. <laughs> But Taker gets a great ovation here. Again, it's they're in Texas, two Texas natives, two guys that have battled in and out of Texas, met each other at the Sportatorium, you know, so much history with them. Why would we possibly capitalize on any of that? Let's just have Stone Cold roll out of the ring and Taker come in and not even address it. I mean, nothing, not even a nod or, a, you know, a tip of the cap or anything. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't understand, like, why yeah. not. But It was really weird. And I, I, I can't remember last time we – discuss taker and stone cold in the ring at the same time and uh it's they're not really in the ring for the same time for much more than two seconds here but um taker gets in the ring and he says brock lesnar and the crowd is just booing all over like you said last week on our episode like wwe is kind of just letting you pick who you like here you know they're not pushing anybody as the baby face or the heel they both kind of have you know, black and white, you know, uh, they're both kind of shades of gray. So, um, when you're in Texas, Brock Lesnar's the heel. When you're in Minnesota and it's homecoming night, Taker's the heel. So I kind of like that, how the, the week before the pay-per-view match, there's, you know, kind of in the other guy's home area, home turf. Yeah. So, no, I like pretty that Pretty cool. Too. Yeah. But Taker says, And listen, when I say this, son, the depths of hell will look like the gates to heaven compared to where I'm going to take you this Sunday. At hell in a cell. Which, pretty intimidating to say to somebody. So, then Lesnar's music hits and he and Heyman come marching out into the arena and Heyman is kind of trying to chill 
uh, Brock out and stop him. And they they stop on the stage, and Heyman, you know, does his introduction of who he is and introduces his client, Brock Lesnar, and says that, you know, The Undertaker and Brock will both enter Hell in a Cell consumed by revenge. Brock wants to avenge the tainted victory that Taker got over him at the SummerSlam, and Taker is consumed by lust for revenge uh, over, you know, wants to get revenge for Brock for conquering the streak at WrestleMania 30. And he says, this Sunday they'll fight for the very last time, and Brock Lesnar will take his revenge. Then The Undertaker will be forced to learn what it's like to live or die with a tainted legacy, a legacy of dominance over everybody else except the conqueror that took everything away from you. Which, I think that's cool, man. He's right. You know, Taker yeah. has always gotten one up on everybody who's done anything to him. Sometimes he just completely one-sidedly owned the feuds, you know, going in and out of pay-per-views. But here, I mean, he really, you know, hasn't gotten that definitive victory over Brock Lesnar, which is a cool storytelling device. What do we always say is the best stuff? Is is the stuff that plays into reality, that you don't have to stretch. You don't yeah. have to make up things with uh, with Teddy Long trying to do a screw job over Undertaker yeah, for no reason. Exactly. I mean, this is all reality based. Mm-hmm. It is. As as much and... as the uh the zombie of the Undertaker <laughs> can be reality based. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But the in ring stuff is reality based. Yes. So yeah. But um Taker's gonna interrupt him here and he says, you know, see that's that's where your problem is. And he uh takes off his hat, his jacket, and he says, you know, when you take everything from a man, and that man ends up fighting with nothing to lose. And then he just puts his hand up and does like the old the rocks just bring it, hand signal, just kind of <laughs> tells Lesnar to bring it. So I love it, man. Brock makes his way down, and Heyman's trying to instruct him not to. You're not, you know, don't do that. And he's Lesnar's marching toward the ring. Lesnar hops on the apron and starts bouncing, and Heyman's begging him, quick, just stop, stop, stop. He's like, he's in your head, he's in your head, he's in your head. Then Brock backs down, kind of backs up the ramp, walks away, and then now Heyman says, now you're in his head. So Heyman's just so good with these little things oh like gosh, that. Nobody yeah. told him to say that. Nobody told him to say that. He just knows it. Well, Taker looks at Brock as he's backing up the rampway, and he does a throat slash and, and the purple lights, and we end the scene here going into Hell in the Cell. So, you know, I like that there was no physicality here. They didn't suplex each other or F5 or hit a last ride through a table. You're still waiting to pay to see that. But these guys are going to fight for the last time ever. You know, and it, I mean, they may have known that at the time, but those, but never said never in wrestling. But, I mean, it's been five years they haven't touched, so I'd say it's pretty, pretty, pretty over. So. Brock, or excuse me, Undertaker did the Rock's hand symbol. He did, it gave him the uh, the just bring it. But Stone Cold was out there earlier. You think he should have given him the uh, the GFY, the, the good for you <laughs> hand symbol good, instead? Could have made more sense on this you. night. Yeah, it would have. <laughs> it sure would have. So. <laughs> Speaking of Stone Cold, uh, we got another stop on Brock Lesnar's Go to Hell tour as he is on a live Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast that airs immediately after all on the WWE Network. Uh, they used to do these for a while, every few months on there, and always yeah. entertaining. I mean, who would have ever thought Stone Cold would become one of the greatest podcasters so and good. interviewers in the world today? Man, he is. He's fantastic at it. Still is it. to this day. Um, and... Uh, I'm sure most of you guys listening, you probably watched this back in the time. Uh, I went back and watched some clips of it because uh, you guys talked about Undertaker briefly. But most of it spent um, 
just kind of telling Brock's life story, going through the early parts of his career, talking about him leaving in WWE in 2004, talking about him going to UFC, his diverticulitis scare, all that stuff. And, you know, Brock's not the most engaging um vocal person uh but stone cold is able to pull some good stuff Mm -hmm. out of him and it is really interesting to hear uh you know a human side of brock lesnar when Mm -hmm. he's such a monster (laughs) in every other aspect of his life um i liked one part in it where they're talking about his promos in the ufc versus his promos in wwe because he cut he cut some wild ones in ufc back in the day (laughs) (laughs) he did i won't repeat them on here you can go look them up if you don't remember them but uh stone cold asked him why is it so different in wwe why don't you talk much in wwe and brock's like i gotta feed the jew (laughs) he's gotta he's gotta eat (laughs) (laughs) oh man he kind of breaks down the dynamic between him and Heyman and talks about how Heyman adds so much to the brock lesnar persona yeah, uh, it, it's really like the the Paul Bearer Undertaker mm-hmm. relationship in a lot of ways. Like it, it, Undertaker would be awesome either way, and Brock Lesnar would be awesome either way. But that combination just gives it so much extra. Well, um, extra mustard on it, man. It's good. Yeah, and of course Stone Cold talks about watching WrestleMania 30. He said he had a beer in each hand, uh, but when Lesnar broke the streak, <laughs> he was just his jaw hit the floor. Uh, he asked Lesnar what it means to break the streak, and Lesnar, he has a huge appreciation for it. He says it was bigger than winning the WWE Championship, honestly. Mm. Um, and they talk about the criticism that Brock has gotten for breaking the streak, and Brock basically says what you said earlier, Travis. He says, I mean, who else would have had enough credibility right. to do it? Yep. I mean, he's not trying to toot his own horn, but no. he's just kind of being honest. Like, he is, mm-hmm. he's the guy to do it here. So uh, just a little bit of taker talk there on that podcast as it leads us into the final stop on the Go to Hell Tour, the final match ever between Brock Lesnar and The Undertaker, Hell in a Cell 2015. Yeah, and it's funny, you know, they build this as, you know, the final meeting ever. And to me, it almost kind of felt like, uh, I don't even have this in my notes, but it almost kind of felt like... um, more of a shoot style uh, thing, like you know, like in, in boxing, uh-huh. um, yeah. where you don't have storylines, you have legit athletes, and you know, it's like you know, so and so has one, two wins over him. The other guy has two more. We're gonna do this, you know, the fifth time they fight, it's gonna be the, the last time ever, and see who like. And you can do that in UFC. You have these rivalries that are built off people trading wins back and forth. This almost seems like that, too, because these guys have such a history. Again, right. WWE doesn't bring a lot of the old stuff into it, but it is kind of – it's almost a little more um, – I don't know, a little more, like, realistic as far as, like, the way they're billing it as the last time. And it's not like the Rock and, and – uh, you know, and seeing that special attraction. This is like two guys who do wrestle, you know? So I don't know. It just kind of felt more like a UFC or boxing type of promotional type thing. And, you know, Vince is a promoter. That's what he is. He's a promoter at heart. And he's doing, in my opinion, a good job of promoting this uh, to make you want to buy it. Oh, this is the last time they're ever going to meet, you know, like that's, it's pretty special, you know? So again, never say never in, in wrestling, but um, right, pretty sure it's his last time they'll ever meet in the ring. So <laughs> probably but, so. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I like that. I like that. 
But anyway, that's going to bring us to Hell in a Cell. This is October 25th, 2015 from the Staples Center in Los Angeles. So, um, man, last time they were in New York, now they're in L.A. So hitting the old hot spots of the East and the West Coast there. So um, this Hell in a Cell match is actually 13 years and five days after their previous mm. one, just to the day. I, did, I just checked it out. That's cool. So, but again, it's too bad they never brought that up. And it's uh, yeah. to me, it's also crazy in the opening package of this. And the, the, the main draws for this pay-per-view are this match and then Kane and Seth Rollins. So the Brothers of Destruction are in the two main featured matches on this pay-per-view, which, which blew my mind. <laughs> wasn't that the two main guys in the matches 13 years ago? Too? Wasn't it Brock and Undertaker and Triple H and Kane? It was. And the that pay match, too. wasn't it? Was that, it, was, it was them two, at least. No. I, I, it wasn't I, them. It was Hell in the Cell. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah, then Triple yeah. H and Kane were having like the uh, Katie right. Vick Katie Vick story. Crap. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, I didn't think about that part, but yeah, kinda, that's nuts, man. It's kind of cool and I'm kind of sad at the kinda same sad time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, this one is, of course, going to be our main event here for the evening. Um, we got JBL Cole and King on commentary, and uh, I mean, this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and you know they always go big on this. During this time, and I look, I, I completely support it. I, I support breast cancer awareness and research, one hundred percent. I'm glad WWE does, but to me, man, it, it just seems a little bit weird when you're having a hell in a cell match, and the ropes are pink. <laughs> like, That's very it's just I don't know, man. That, that was that's maybe a little bit too much for me. Like. <laughs> Put the pink ribbon on the entryway, you know, mm-hmm. put it on the, put it, put it everywhere, show whatever. some commercials or something. It's just a little weird when you're having this brutal feud. <laughs> and I, I love the color pink, man. I, I wear pink all the time. I got no problem with it, but uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm outdated. It's just a little weird to watch. It is true. The pink, the pink rope and the hell in the cell, most brutal match in WWE <laughs> history, you know, to, you know, the beast and the, the dead man got a pink rope. <laughs> So yeah, it is kind of kind of funny when you put look at it that way. But um, you know, as this cell lowers, you know, Michael Cole hypes it up again. That's the last time they're ever going to meet. We see that same highlight video we've seen in the past few weeks, and Brock's music hits, and he and Paul Heyman come out, and JBL says that the whole atmosphere just changed. And Cole says that one cell match, or he says that Brock Lesnar has had one cell match in his career, and also one victory. Okay. It's the one cell match against the Undertaker, and he beat him. So why not mention it? And I, I'm going to use a little parallel here. I didn't use it earlier when you asked because I wanted to save it for this. But this is the kind of stuff that drives me nuts as a fan. We've talked about this extensively on here. Just you're insulting my intelligence. I am paying attention to this stuff. I know the story. I, I know it all. I'm not a new fan. Throw us a bone. You finish know, finish hate, the thought. Come on, yeah. man. <laughs> we all know. Yes. And, and and it reminded me, you know, I like to do my, my movie parallels, my pop culture parallels. So the Transformers movies, okay, they're not great, but they're entertaining to me. But I get sucked in and every single movie, and you can watch me, you can watch all of them. Every single movie has a different origin story for how the Transformers got to Earth. Literally, <laughs> all five of them. The first one, it's like, oh, they were here for this. And the next one's like, oh, no, actually, they did that. And the next one's like, oh, no, actually, this happened. And like, to me, as a fan of someone who likes story, 
it ticks me off when you rewrite history as I'm in, like, why do I want to pay attention then? Like, you know, I, it just, it's bad writing. And that's my, my main nitpick. We've already, we've already picked on WWE so much during this podcast about this particular thing. But this one saying that he had one cell match and one victory and not mentioning it's against the guy he's facing 13 years later, that just drove me nuts. Like the brand new origin stories of the Transformers every four years. Wow. <laughs> the movie comes out. So. Anyway, I'll let you talk. A little Transformers <laughs> talk here on this show. <laughs> I uh, I don't know. I've only seen the first one, so I've only yeah, had that origin fine. story. Yes. But well, if you watch the second one, they'll have a new origin story in the third one, in the fourth one, in the fifth one. So. <sighs> anyway. I'm glad you're able to get that off your chest. Though. Had to. I've been carrying. I'm sure you're not the only one. I'm sure you're not. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> after this, after the arena transforms and the cell gets lowered Ooh, down yes. to the ring, yeah, and Lesnar's hopping in the ring. He's he's. Feeling it tonight, dude. He he's sprinting mm-hmm. back and forth between the ropes. He's getting warmed up. The Undertaker's gonna come out second. Uh, JBL calls him the greatest of all time, and Cole notes that in four weeks we're gonna be celebrating 25 years of the Dead Man as they celebrate his 25th anniversary at Survivor Series next month in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, which. Uh, Spoiler, it didn't go to that show. It took place on my one-year wedding anniversary and uh, couldn't quite convince the wife to celebrate at Survivor (laughs) Series that year. But um, that's my nitpick, and I'll get to it after the match. But I wish they wouldn't have said that and already advertised that The Undertaker is going to be at Survivor Series next month because it kind of takes the wind out of what they try to do at the finish. But... Remember that. We'll, we'll get to it in a little while here. Uh, Cole also runs down Undertaker's history inside Hell in a Cell, saying this is his 13th time inside this structure, and that he's tied with Triple H with the most wins at six inside Hell in a Cell matches. Yeah, and then we, uh, again, when Taker comes in second, you know what you're going to get. So Taker comes in. Slams the cell door behind him. Great pop from the LA crowd. And you can mark that off your bingo card, ladies and gentlemen. If your Jeremy Bagley bingo is ready to go, uh, take her slamming the cell door is there. And in fact, when he does it, JBL says, Here we go. So he's, Here we go. Dude, he, JBL is such a, I didn't realize how big of a taker mark he was. Oh, so I'll go yeah. back and listen Huge. to it. I love it. Huge. I love it. <laughs> I love it. So it's so good, man. Especially because he's supposed to be the heel commentator, but he's just, he can't help himself. <laughs> no. Boys out there. He yeah. hates Bo Dallas and loves Undertaker. <laughs> and he hates the Ascension. Oh, man. Remember that? Oh, he really Roberts. hated them. Yeah. <laughs> Buried oh. them. <laughs> well, Lesnar stares Taker down as he makes it up the steps and. Taker gets in. They kind of both pace back and forth, kind of circling each other and standing face-to-face in the middle of the ring. And Brock's kind of just smirking at Taker. And Taker's just stoic. He's just staring at him, you know, like only Undertaker can. And Mike Kyoto backs him up, and then Taker does the throat slash. And Brock kind of kind of laughs a little bit and gets wide-eyed, and we're about to go here as the bell rings. Well, it's kind of like you talked about. It does have a bit of a UFC feel at the start of the match yeah. as they, um, they don't touch gloves or anything, but they – have a little time where they kind of stare at each other before the ref uh, says, let's get it on. Um, And then they circle each other for a little bit UFC style at the beginning of this match. Um, They're both kind of back each other in the corner. Nobody's really getting any punches or anything in here. Feeling each other out for a few seconds. 
crowd is awesome here in yeah. LA tonight. Oh, yeah. They are hot the entire time. Really appreciated that. And they've got dueling Suplex City Undertaker chants. Both, I mean, it's like 50 50, but oh, yeah. very, very loud here. As Undertaker, he blocks Brock's f- first few attempts to go for some suplexes to start off. Uh, Lesnar backs him into a corner and hits some shoulder blocks into Undertaker. Uh, then Undertaker reverses an Irish whip and sends Lesnar into the opposite corner. Uh, Lesnar blocks an Irish whip. He hits some strikes on Taker, hits some big clubbing blows to Undertaker. And then Lesnar goes for another suplex, but Undertaker, he scouted him, dude. He, he drops to his knees and sends Lesnar flying out to the outside of, of the ring here. Yeah, and Lesnar, again, he just goes through the ropes with, like, reckless abandon. He just flies through them. He has no regard for his own safety when he does I love it, man, because he knows what to do, man. You can give him crap for not being his heart, not being in it or whatever. Like, But, dude, this guy knows the little things in wrestling. I'm sorry. I I give him so much credit. He's so great, man. Yeah, you know, when he's in there there with Kofi Kingston or something, yeah, he he doesn't – he doesn't barely break a sweat or anything. Right. Yeah, he definitely has his moments yeah. where he does that, or with Ricochet, you know, yeah. was that this year, I think. Um, yeah. But, dude, when he's in there with The Undertaker, or he's in there with, with Roman Reigns, or, or Seth Rollins yeah. or something. Daniel Bryan and He AJ takes some matches beating, dude. Yeah. He, he sells and he bumps. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, excellent counter from the dead man here, just throwing Brock outside. And they start fighting on the outside, and they make it to the side of the cell, and uh, take, Taker gets Irish whipped into the side of the cell and of course this is the cell that has the chains on the top so every time somebody touches the walls like cling 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 give you that extra little you know sound um, Brock has Taker up but Taker slips out and shoves Brock head first into the ring post and commentary say oh Brock Lesnar blocked it. he got his hand up but we see that they were dead wrong because he is busted open on his head which is the same thing that happened to him at mania against reigns he hit his head on the ring post and busted open yeah i don't know if he was blocking it or maybe he was doing a little little blade job uh, there yeah. i think uh, i think they <laughs> yeah uh undertaker starts going after that cut dude and it is it's a big one Man, mm-hmm. it is um, a bloody mess, and Undertaker opens it up even more here. Uh, Brock throws hands with t- Undertaker, and it's back and forth. Uh, Undertaker sends Lesnar into the cell, and Undertaker grabs a chair, tosses it into the ring, and rolls Lesnar into the ring. But Lesnar is waiting for Undertaker, gets him with a takedown, and then gets a chair shot right into Undertaker's mm. back, and another one, and another one. And then, you know, it's just sign of the times, man. Uh, uh, blood back in the day in their first Hell in a Cell. Remember how bloody Undertaker yes. was in that match? And the blood's like out. dripping yeah. into Brock's face when he's pinning him. And, you know, we used to have the blood tracker because there'd be so yeah. much blood on every episode of Raw. We'd make fun of how much blood there was. <laughs> in 2015, blood's supposed to be off limits it's supposed to be right. you know you're not even supposed to have blood unless it's accidental and whenever there is blood we see the referees put gloves on their hands and we mm-hmm. see the doctor come into this match to check on the cut of brock lesnar um again 
some, giving up that UFC vibes. That's mm-hmm. a thing UFC does, uh, and and that's now a thing the WWE does, and it, it's kind of uh, jarring to see it here because Lesnar sort of like collapses from yeah. the blood loss, and that's when the doctor comes in. Yeah, and it's funny, like what what a missed opportunity to to connect this back to two thousand and two or three or whatever. Like you know what a missed opportunity like you could have gone back and circled back around and talked about what you just talked about how the last time they're in hell in the cell taker was a bloody mess and you know, it's just so many things yep. they could have done just to really put it over the edge man so but again it's not a knock on the whole thing but um well the doctor kind of checks on brock and then brock grabs the chair and we see the taker has dropped around to the outside of the ring now he's rolled out of the ring and uh brock swings and hits taker in the head taker kind of gets his hands up a little bit on there, like you can't block it with your hands, and it's like, well, if it's not blocking with your hands because if Brock Lesnar's hitting you with it, it's gonna hurt no matter what. So <laughs> he hits him again, then he hits him sideways, uh, kind of on the shoulder. But the commentary says from the jaw, but once they see a replay, it's really just the shoulder. But then Lesnar starts choking Taker and then whips him into the side of the cell, and then Lesnar's gonna really take it to a UFC mode, he's gonna remove his right glove and go Michael Jackson here and just have one glove on, and he start punching Taker just square in the head. That's uh, that's not what I would call going Michael Jackson on, but uh, <laughs> anyway. I mean, there's plenty of other things. I was trying to keep it PG. <laughs> Taker, uh, it, it is, is a cool touch, though, to see uh, Brock take his glove off. Um, really adds to the brutality mm-hmm. of it here. Uh, but this adds to the brutality as Undertaker gets Brock in the ring and he does what we dubbed the Takerizer uh, back in the day when he used to do this as Big Evil. But if you don't remember, it's when Undertaker grabs a chair, sticks it under his opponent's throat, and then jams that person's throat into the chair, into the mat. Um, yeah. And it's Oof. always brutal looking. Haven't seen Undertaker do it in a while here, uh, but he busts it out for Hell in a Cell and goes for cover off of that, but Brock's able to kick out. Yeah, and then... Taker just kind of immediately gets on Brock and starts elbowing him in the forehead and starts pulling on Brock's nose, just kind of getting desperate here, just really showing the ugly side. And he Irish whips, but Brock slips behind Taker, hits a German suplex, so he's hit a few at this time. Uh, so Taker starts punching him, and, they, and Brock goes for another German suplex, hits a third one. And the ref's checking on – at this point, I just want to come – the ref checks on Taker, and you can see him, you know, a little – a sign of – you know, WWE in WWE land, if the referee will check on you, if you squeeze his hand, that means you're okay. That's kind of one of those behind the scenes things you can see it in matches. Well, I just noticed it right here. He does it because again, I'm sure he was legit concerned because that's, you know, he was out of it at WrestleMania 30. And then right. after, you know, the SummerSlam, he had quote unquote passed out backstage, whatever. Like, so, but this one, it was kind of neat. If you know those things to pay attention and see him check on Taker and see Taker squeeze his hand and say, Oh, I'm good. So, but uh, he's okay. But then he's about to not be okay because Brock's going to get his hands on him here. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lesnar's really wearing down Undertaker. He, he's really selling, as you said. And Undertaker is bleeding uh, from those punches and, and shots to his head here too. Not quite to the level of Brock, but he do- does have some blood pouring out here. And this doctor's going to roll into the ring again to check on the cuts of both men. And you can see Brock Lesnar getting really frustrated. He doesn't like having the match being interrupted like this. And he grabs a chair, but the referee and the doctor force him into the corner to get looked at. And then something really unexpected 
Brock tosses the doctor out of the way and then runs and hits an F5 on Undertaker here. So, obviously, this is part of the plan, part of the storyline. Brock would be in huge trouble if he actually tossed a doctor out of the ring. I think even a guy like him would know better than to do that. But it's a cool touch for this sports entertainment match. It really adds to it and to the brutality of it here. Uh, and then he goes and hits the F5, and Undertaker kicks out again. Yeah, he's, so I think I may have forgot to say, he hit one right after Taker gave that hand signal. So he hits an F5. Then the doctor comes in. So, yeah, this is he hits two here. It's crazy. So Taker kicks out of the second one, like you said, and then um, Heyman is screaming at this point on the outside. And uh, Brock goes and uh, grabs the top part of the ring steps and throws him over the top rope, which, again, I want to reiterate, he throws him over the top <laughs> rope with absolutely no problem at all. Right, Just and those weigh no 4,000 pounds. <laughs> yeah, according to Michael Cole. <laughs> uh, he slides in and hits Taker with him. Taker collapses, but he's able to kick out of a cover at two and a half. So then Lesnar is just kind of looking around the ring, seeing what his next move is going to be, and he drags Taker to the middle of the ring. Brock goes to smash Undertaker's leg with the steps, but Undertaker rolls away in time. And then Brock attempts murder on the Undertaker by trying to smash these steps into his face. Uh, Thankfully, Undertaker (laughs) gets his feet up and kicks the steps into Brock's face, and Brock kind of tumbles backwards and uh, has the stairs land on top of him here uh, as Undertaker gets the better of him with that. Yeah, but he, like, if you watch, he legit drops him on his head. He gets another (laughs) cut on his head. Like, he has two cuts now because he, I think he just didn't realize how far back he had to go. I don't know what happened, but he just drops him on his own head again. So this guy is out of control, man. (laughs) He's just, he's out of, he's nuts. But um, then Taker is able to lock the Hell's Gate right there in the middle of the ring. And uh, Lesnar's kind of starting to fight out and he starts to fade. And then eventually he just kind of gets a juice or a, 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 a juice, a burst of juice, adrenaline in through his veins, and he is just able to just pound his way out. He starts just brutalizing Taker's head. Really stiff shots, in my opinion, if you ask me. They look pretty yeah. stiff to Taker's head. And I know that it was probably fine. They're, these guys are friends, but they looked they looked real snugsky, man. <laughs> That's some UFC-style stuff right there. But yeah. you don't ever see this in UFC as Brock... He loses it, and he starts ripping up the mat in the ring. He rips up the canvas. He rips out the small, thin layer of foam that's underneath that Mm -hmm. and exposes the wood boards on the ring. As Undertaker sits up, and the commentary, uh, I think it's King, says, well, if you ever wondered what it looks like under the ring, there you go. Uh, Which is interesting. Like Most people have never seen that. Yeah. They've done this a couple other times since then. I think this was the first time they ever did anything like this. Like, I think, didn't Ciampa and Gargano do this in, in one of their matches where they yeah, tore up the they've ring? They've done it a few times since. Yeah, Ciampa, that was incredible. And then also, was it Lesnar and Strowman did this not in the not-too-distant mm. uh, past yeah. here? I think they did this. Or maybe it was The Fiend done it a time or two or something. But, yeah. In the most recent years, I've done it quite a bit. But, yeah, this was really one of the first times you saw. The first time I you know, remember, in, yeah. In the modern era of, of, of them doing this, you know. Usually it was pull the mats up on the outside and do a pile driver on the concrete or something. But this is exposing the biz right here, man. You get to see what's underneath the mat there. Did uh did the Nexus do it, I guess, when they? They may have, yeah. Yeah, that might have been the first. But that's not in a match, 
no uh, quite no, yeah, like this, this. in a match so um, and i i love this man it just it's just it, i love where we're headed i love that it, something different it's something yes, different man it's, it's, it's hard different. to come up with something different in the year yeah. 2015 but they do it here as undertaker he sits up like i said as brock is doing mm-hmm. that and he gets to his feet and hits a choke slam on that exposed Ooh. wood on brock lesnar brock was tearing it up but undertaker gets up first and does the damage to him on there and then yeah. gets Lesnar up and hits a tombstone on the wood as the crowd is going nuts here. Oh, yeah, they are, man. On the exposed wood. He's hit two of his finishing moves on it. Does the classic cover, but Brock is inhuman. He kicks out at 2.9, but the crowd bit on that false finish really big. And I remember I bit on that real hard. I thought, all right, sure. Taker's going to win this. He always wins his feuds. You know, someone else may win the, the battle, but he wins the war. Uh, no. That was not it. So Taker is shocked. Again, selling that shock. The crowd is. Commentary team is like, oh, I can't believe it. Like, what does he have to do to Brock Lesnar to get him out? So um, we'll see how it goes here. Well, Undertaker gets to his feet first. Uh, I like on commentary that King says, this guy is superhuman. And JBL mm-hmm. says, which one? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's true. Which one of these guys? Um, Undertaker gets to his feet, looks down at Lesnar, does the throat slash, but Brock Lesnar does something you wouldn't expect from him. The thing Paul Heyman says he wouldn't do. And he gives Undertaker a shot right to Death Valley to the oh shock of the crowd. He mm-hmm. hoists Undertaker up, hits an F5 on him on that exposed wood. And that's enough to get the three count and the win great storytelling it plays into everything that we've seen over the past four or five months since undertaker returned at battleground they they play in to that low blow to the desperation Mm -hmm. that brock lesnar has to go to now to finish things off against the old gunslinger here i think whoever came up with that finish um my hats off to you that's that's some really good pro wrestling storytelling right there Oh, without question, man. Yeah, it's it's great. I really dug it. It's like an 18-minute match. It didn't feel like it was that long, though. I, I really dug every single thing they did. And, you know, Brock has defeated Taker now in what's, you know, billed as their last battle ever. So um, the, the sell immediately raises. We see replays here. And Brock is selling, you know, the war he's just been in. Um, he looks spent here. And M- Michael Cole says, you know, this is kind of bittersweet, you know. Um, it's a bittersweet symphony, I guess. So he, uh, <laughs> he's, he's, he's kind of just rehashing the match and the end of it. But yeah, like you said, man, just the, the, I don't know. It's just poetic, man. Like that ending was perfect. I just really, really dug the ending of that and how it just dealt with, uh, and brought in all the stories since, you know, takers return and at battleground. So it was really, really good. I don't, I wonder if that's a Pat Patterson finish or a Michael Hayes or who, but whoever it was, it was genius, man. Good storytelling. It's a great image in the ring as you see these two monsters bloodied and laid out. They're both exhausted. Uh, You see a chair in the ring. You see blood stains. You see stairs. You see the ring torn up, the exposed wood in the ring. I mean, that's how you want a wrestling match to be over right there. And like you said, Brock's selling huge. Paul Heyman ends up carrying him basically out of the ring. And Undertaker looks over to Brock 
and he's on his side, but he kind of lifts his head up and, and does a little point. Uh, not the mm-hmm. uh, not the GFY point. He points the no. index finger at Brock and kind of shakes it at him, kind of saying, all right, you got me. You got me. Yeah. Uh, giving him a little bit of respect here as Lesnar. He actually collapses in the aisle as Undertaker is, is down in the ring, uh, and they both really sell the effects of the battle um, as we see some replays and Brock heads out of the ring. Yeah, I like J- JBL said something neat here. Again, I didn't think I'd dig his commentary so much, but he really does help add to these Taker matches. He says that what Brock has learned from Taker over these last few months has now put him on another level. So I guess even meaning put that desperation he's learned to, to, to dig down deep and be desperate like Taker. I don't know, but I just really thought that was pretty cool. Um, again, you still you see, see them still building that Brock, you know, uh, I guess brand and then putting him on a pedestal for where they're headed in the future. So he leaves Taker struggling to set up in the middle of the ring. He kind of tries to sit up and he milks it, you know, crowds chanting it for him and thank you Taker. He finally sits up in the ring and kind of shakes his head in the middle of the ring and kind of like, yeah, I didn't, I couldn't get it done, but he gets a standing ovation from everybody here in LA in the Staples center, which really, really cool to see again. It's, they know it's his last match against Brock, but it's almost like it's his last match ever in the way they're treating it. So They're really selling it like that, much like WrestleMania 30 and the announcers. Yeah. All three of the announce yeah. desks, they all get up and give Undertaker a standing ovation here. So it's very, very similar to that. But as Undertaker gets down to one knee to do the Hamlet pose, the lights cut out. We hear the bop. And the video feed <laughs> shorts and the Wyatt family, the newly, uh, I guess since we last covered them, reunited yeah. Wyatt family comes out. Bray Wyatt, With Luke Harper, Eric Roman, yes, and Braun Strowman, uh, the rookie, uh, just newly debuted. They all make their way out to the ring. They're led by Bray's lantern. Bray's music plays. The fireflies are lit up in the crowd here. As uh, the story is not over yet, um, Undertaker is gassed, but he—he's the old gunslinger man. He pulls down the straps and he's gonna give it a go anyway. Yeah, he's got his hands up. He's ready for a fight. Got his dukes up, and they're all surrounding him on every side. And they get on the apron and just kind of swarm him. And uh, he battles back for a second, but uh, Harper is able to hold him kind of in a crucifix on the ground. And Strowman and Rowan are kicking him, putting the boots to him as. Bray's kind of standing back, just orchestrating the, the destruction here, telling him what to do, and he yells at Taker to open your eyes, open your eyes, and the Wyatt family is holding him back, and he starts punching uh, Taker in the face and mocks him with a throat slash and then tells the Wyatt family to take him out of the ring. So they drag Taker out and hold him up in a crucifix position, and drag him out from under the bottom rope, and um, it's very reminiscent of the terrorist angle that we did with Muhammad Hassan when they beat him up and then crucifix carry him mm. out. At least it wasn't the day on the terrorist bombing or anything. So, well, but yeah, that's next month on Talking Taker. No. We'll yeah. talk about a terrorist plot. Uh, yeah. Oddly enough, on next week's show, but yeah, yeah it's uh, certainly a compelling climax here as as uh, or cliffhanger uh, as heading off the show off this pay-per-view here but my only complaint is that as i mentioned earlier we've already heard michael cole advertise and promise that the undertaker is going to be at survivor series next month celebrating his 25 years Mm -hmm. 
if imagine if they hadn't had said that and advertised that already, and yep. we actually got to feel that emotion and question if Undertaker is going to retire here yep. after this Brock Lesnar match yet again. Like that's my whole thought watching it back is like. Mm-hmm. They're, they're going for that feeling. They're trying to make you think that and then throw you off when Wyatt family comes out. But we all already know that <laughs> Taker's not going anywhere because you've already advertised him <laughs> for his next month. Like just just wait till yeah. tomorrow night on Raw to, and, and do that. That's my yeah, only exactly only complaint with that. They had to wait one day. Was it one day? They couldn't wait one day. It's <laughs> it's like you know. They kind of spoiled their own, you know, story here, but yep. yeah, but it's still, it's neat to see where they're headed here. And I mean, uh, but yeah, it really did take away a little bit when they announced earlier, he's going to be there. So, but we'll cover that on next week's episode. So, well, what's your review of this match and this, uh, 2015 rivalry with Brock Lesnar? Um, this match to me was exactly what it needed to be. Brutal. Hard hitting, exposed wood was a nice touch. They don't overdo. Uh, again, you've seen it a few times since then. Exposed but when you wood, see it, always a nice touch, man. Oh. When, whoops! When you see it, <laughs> that's it not what I meant. I, that's not what I meant. I wasn't trying to be dirty. It's been like a house or like a, oh, yeah. <laughs> an architecture, always, brother. Always a nice touch. <laughs> like wood paneling and stuff. Yes. Uh, always means something. Hardwood floors. Yeah. Always means a little something. <laughs> GFY, man. GFY. <laughs> well, go, go watch this match. Oh, this wraps up the 13-year story of Taker versus Brock. And again, I think that the right guy went over here based on what Brock's future is supposed to be and the, the position that these two guys are in. Taker could lose every single match since the streak, and it'd still be fine because he's the freaking Undertaker. He's got so much history so much equity with his fans built in it doesn't matter wins and losses don't matter anymore brock yes he's in his mid to late 30s or whatever 40s i don't even know how old he is here but he's but he's still the future of the company he's still a you know pillar of their future and their business model and right or wrong i think the right guy went over here and uh again my only drawback is they didn't just they only dug into the two-year history instead of the 13-year history but what about you I can't disagree with anything you said. I, I thought this match and, and the SummerSlam match too, uh, yes. this whole addition of their rivalry, this final chapter and run from the from Battleground to that brawl on Raw, SummerSlam, and this, just great stuff, man. I, yeah. I know we, we heard from some listeners that kind of tuned out after WrestleMania 30 and, and still have a bitter taste in their mouth after all that I get it. stuff. I, I do, but man, go back and rewatch it, dude. This is... Mm-hmm. This is a really, really good Undertaker match. Very brutal. I mean, if you're an Attitude Era fan, this oh, is yeah. this was a throwback to that. Oh yeah. Both guys bleeding. Um, probably the last great Hell in a Cell match. Honestly, I mean, I, I haven't watched all of the most recent Hell in a Cell pay per views, but um, I, I, to me, it's the, it's the last great one that I've seen. There have been some good ones involving other guys, younger guys, but uh, last last probably great one involving well Taker for sure, but involving and Brock's only other this is he's only had two Hell in a Cell matches. No, he's had has he had one since then. I don't he remember had one with like Strowman or I can't remember. I think it's all 
probably the Cowboys. last really brutal one. Last one that's oh, like yeah. a throwback oh, yeah, yeah. to an original yeah. Hell in a Cell. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. But um, and just again, good storytelling because again, these guys aren't on TV every single week trading wins, tagging against each other. It's all story built, story driven, promo driven. Uh, you get the physicality when you pay for it, and I, I really dig that. So, um, good stuff. Go watch it. I, I definitely oh, yeah. think. Uh, It'd be fun to go watch both of these Hell in the Cells back to back, the the two that they had. So, because the one their initial one was still one of my favorite Hell in the Cells. I said it back then. We covered it, and I'll stand yes. stand by it. I still Agreed. that's I mean, that may be number two as far as Hell in the Cells for me. So, love it. So, anyway, well, good. Truly, good stuff. a fitting end to their rivalry here as we keep this podcast rolling, rolling, rolling on to the last ride. Uh, we'll come back next week as we cover Survivor Series 2015, that 25-year anniversary celebration of the dead man with The Undertaker and Kane, the Brothers of Destruction, reuniting against the Wyatt family on pay-per-view here. I am excited to watch that. I have never seen this match. I did not watch that show. I never watched it back. So this this is the first for me. I'm excited to see it for the very first time. Cool, Um, man. Before we get there, we want to hear your comments on this match. Hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Talking Taker. You know where to find us. Uh, you know where to go for the uh, for the podcast to go leave a review or leave a comment, uh, share it with your friends, all that good stuff. Did get a few comments from some people when we asked for your memories of this match. Let's see here. The Daily Smark at the Daily Smark said, I love Specialty Podcast and Talking Taker is a favorite. So appreciate that. Gracias. Uh, Daily Smart. Evan underscore John 97 uh, hit us up with some of the facts that we mentioned here. Uh, This is the second time Brock had been in Hell in a Cell, which is hard to believe. Um, This was Taker's 13th Mm -hmm. cell match, his first since the end of an era versus Triple H. And uh, I love this podcast name, Stranger Rings. At Stranger Rings, one said, I remember this match very fondly. Other than the infamous Mania match, Taker and Brock always create magic together. 100% agree. Um, They created magic that night. It just wasn't the same kind of magic. Black magic, magic. yes. (laughs) A lot of folks shared with us some uh, Undertaker Halloween costumes. Uh, let's see here. Uh, at Simon Ben Ben had a really good one with Paul Bearer in the picture, and then um, at Biker Taker, uh, who we've seen, uh, he, he's a great Undertaker cosplayer. He had Undertaker as the Dead Man and as the uh, Boneyard match, some cosplay there. So, oh, nice, good, good stuff. Uh, people sharing with us some Undertaker 30th anniversary merchandise. They have these, <laughs> these um, like lawn chairs adirondack chairs with undertaker on it that wwe shop a thousand dollars something aren't they oh my word no, i think they're four hundred dollars seriously uh i love it uh we'll take it uh if you want if you want to gift it to us i'm sure my wife yeah. would love that on the patio um and then this new custom uh winged eagle title belt and a deluxe urn only a hundred of them are being made Mm -hmm. and available that is uh really really interesting looking really beautiful uh so kudos to the if any of you get that we'd love to see your picture of it um as long as you're not doing the Shawn Michaels pose, um, we'll see your picture. Of it. I think that's no exposed wood, please. <laughs> 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 I 
This is honestly not what I meant, Travis, the first time. That's fine. Uh, Jeremy Bagley, again, with a, with some more great graphics last week of uh, Brock Lesnar showing his uh, getting hit in the uh, chocolate sundae uh, with the crushed nuts on it. Uh, thank you for that, Jeremy. And then uh, St. Ridley Santos, we asked him for his uh, knowledge about the Latin that Heyman was chanting last week, and it, it was Heyman giving the last rites to Undertaker. Yeah. It's legit Latin, <laughs> saying, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So, St. Ridley, thank you for your knowledge and clarifying that. And then... Of course, we do have the 30 Days of the Dead Man. This is the Undertaker's 30th anniversary celebration of that going on all month long. And on Halloween, we saw a couple cool things. Uh, Undertaker appeared on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon on Friday <laughs> night. Uh, his return to The Tonight Show. Uh, yeah. Second appearance on there with Jimmy Fallon. Uh, tombstoning a scarecrow, which was random and hilarious. So I love, love to see it. him on The Tonight Show. <laughs> And then, um, this was cool, we shared it on our Twitter feed, but the band Larkin Poe, which is a great band, if you, if you ever uh, want to check them out, great, um, two sisters from Georgia that play some incredible uh, blues guitar, uh, really great guitar players, um, I've seen them in concert before, great band, totally surprising to see them, they, they did like a 45 second cover of the undertaker's theme song and yeah. played uh, did like a guitar riff inspired by that so if you hadn't seen that scroll through our twitter feed uh in fact i'll probably play it at the end of tonight's podcast i'll just throw it on the end of there that'll be our clip at the end of the show it if was you awesome. haven't heard it yet uh that was fantastic and then we had the uh next special on the wwe network uh, meeting the undertaker uh travis what were your thoughts on that um i thought it was neat it was obviously just b-roll footage from the last rock documentary um which there's nothing wrong with that i'm glad they did i'm glad i'm sure there's a lot of stuff on the cutting room floor i'd like to see all of it please i'd love them just all of it i don't care just give it to me all but um I really dug this. Uh, some neat stories. Some of them you've you know you've heard before. We've discussed even especially the big show stuff like that we've discussed on here on the podcast before. But some really neat stories, especially from the, the Rotunda Brothers. That's kind of neat to hear <laughs> that their was story. A funny one. Yeah, yeah, and just again seeing the uh, I want to mention two guys, Batista and Edge, see, and, and Orton actually seeing those three guys and kind of their uh, we've talked about their stories on here a bit but just seeing how much uh particularly the edge and batista the taker means to their lives <laughs> their professional lives and personal lives kind of neat so it's kind of neat but yeah it wasn't I, anything to like to like blow your wig back or anything but like it was it was just cool extra footage yeah it's something you can put on in the background as, as you're yeah. doing something else some of you some of the stuff you've heard but uh, i i enjoyed the younger generation hearing their stories uh, i loved um, Xavier Woods. I won't mm -hmm. spoil it if you haven't seen it yet, uh, but he, he had one of my favorite stories mm -hmm. of meeting the dead man on there. Really, really cool stuff. So, yeah, really quick, simple thing you, you can throw on the network and, and watch real quick. Um, and we're yeah, going to... like 25 minutes. I think it's 23 minutes, yep. Yeah. Um, we are celebrating the 30 years of the dead man. It, it kind of... Just one of those things that's worked out perfectly timing for us for our next few episodes because... Like we said, next week we're going to cover the 25 years of the Dead Man match from Survivor Series 2015, uh, which is perfect. We're right in Survivor Series season. 
And then the week after that, we're going to do something celebrating one of The Undertaker's momentous accomplishments, having the highest rated match in cable television history uh, with Stone Cold Steve Austin on Raw from June of 1999, where uh, he loses the title back to Stone Cold Steve Austin. We're going to be joined by none other than the guys who... Talk about Stone Cold Steve Austin every week, the Bottom Line Podcast. We're going to do a special watch-along episode, not just for that match, but for that entire episode of Monday Night Raw, straight from the Attitude Era, uh, something unique and different we've never done before. Very excited to do that. Um, It's going to be wicked awesome. It will be. Uh, In three weeks, we will cover all of the 30 Days of the Dead Man content on the WWE Network. Uh, We will do a recap episode of all of those specials um maybe we'll throw something else on the end of that Uh, we'll see you know uh, how much content there is to talk about but we will do something celebrating all of that and then something extra special we're going to throw in your podcast feed on the actual anniversary of the undertaker's debut we are going to go back and do a watch along for that survivor series 1990 debut match so um we'll actually release that as a bonus show on the undertaker's actual anniversary um it won't be like you know an hour and a half you know that match isn't that long but we'll just Mm -hmm. throw it on do some commentary about talk about reflect on how much we have learned and seen over the past three years of going through Undertaker's career. So it'll be fun to revisit that first match. So we're doing our own 30 Days of the Dead Man celebration here on the podcast over the next few weeks, just kind of to give you guys a little preview of that. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a lot of good stuff, a lot of good content coming from the network and hopefully coming from us. Hopefully you guys are digging it. Again, we're kind of winding down his career here. he got five more years or four and a half years left as far as uh, talk and take her story uh, timeline goes so trying to throw some few bonus episodes in here for you guys and a few extra things because you know trying to hold on to this, this yeah ship's going, trying to make it ship's last. going down <laughs> take her ship's going down we don't want to go yet so but it'll be fun stuff it's not just stuff for the sake of doing it. it's 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 fun yes. stuff that hopefully you're going to enjoy and the tie into his, to him and, and meaningful things like the highest rated you know the highest rated match in cable history ever so pretty cool stuff but Hope you guys will stick around with us to the end. And if you were there at the Staples Center in Los Angeles, California, um, let us know what you thought about this Hell in a Cell. What did you, if you were there 13 years and five days ahead at their previous Ooh. Hell in a Cell and you were there at this, let us know. We'd love to hear about that. And last but not least, the, oh. <laughs> the spooky season is over. Uh, some people say. Christmas begins on November 1st. Uh, I, I am not one of those people. I, I prefer... No, I don't put my tree up till after Thanksgiving. I don't listen to any Christmas music till after Thanksgiving. But, uh, Travis, I, I guess you felt differently because you went ahead and sent me a Christmas present that got <laughs> delivered today. Um, and I, I asked you if I should open it on the show, and you, you said to go for it. That's fine, man. It's fine. Go, go for it. Uh, it was... Well, I'll explain in a second. Okay. So, yeah, I didn't intend for it to come right now, but it is what it is. But just remember that come Christmas time. <laughs> All right. Nice box. This is live and in living color, WWE. ladies and gentlemen. Oh, oh. Wow. That is nice. Undertaker. Now, now this is an Undertaker hat. It, it is not the it's Undertaker not hat in question. 
for Randy right. Turco. But it is a uh, 30 and O. Not 30 and O. No, it's just 3 O. Yeah. It's just 30. <laughs> With the XT on there. I love that. Man, that's a nice trucker hat. It doesn't say WWE on it, so I, I like that. It does have a sticker. But uh, yeah. I like I, that it doesn't um, say WWE on there. Exactly. That was my draw. I know you like the hats, you like the trucker hats. And, uh, I, do I thought love that was a good hat. one that you could wear. People might not even know what that is. You can still wear it out and not be embarrassed if it says big old WWE symbol uh, on the side. I wouldn't or be embarrassed like anyway. <laughs> and then there's another box in here, a little small box. And it is a, oh, yes, sir, an Undertaker mug. That's okay. what I'm talking about. That mug, do you have any warm coffee with you? Um, it, it's not if warm. You... <laughs> okay. uh, it, it's, I've finished my tea. And it's, oh, uh, it's not well, warm yet. But I can kind of see what you're about to say. When you pour hot coffee into that mug, his face shows up on there, and this, the mug changes color, and you see his symbol and stuff like that. So I can anyway. see his. I can see a little bit of the purple face on there, okay, dude. There I go. can't wait to do that. <laughs> That's well, amazing. They put all this stuff up on the network or on the WWE shop the other day, and it, it said time limited quality, quantity, you know, order now, blah blah. It may have been a marketing ploy, but they sucked me in, so I had to get it right then. I wasn't sure how long the prices were going to last because uh, they were they were good, and I just wasn't sure if they're going to jack stuff up to come Christmas time. So anyway, it said order now, so I did, and it came to you like four days later. But whatever. But Merry Christmas, well, my Merry friend. Merry early Christmas to you, my friend. Oh, man, I don't deserve it. Thank you, sir. A Merry, a Merry is... un-Christmas to you. <laughs> this is awesome. Uh, I do uh, – I'm probably 50-50 between drinking coffee or tea or uh, drinking a, a, a brewski uh, while I'm recording the podcast. So I, I can't wait to put some coffee in this for next week's episode. I'll, I'll do it tomorrow morning. Got to be up at like – 5.45 tomorrow morning, so I, I will drink there a few go. of these. So thank you, you, sir. Can't wait to use that. Uh, I'll post some pictures of these on the Talk and Taker <laughs> that looks uh, good, man. social media. It's perfect. That's exactly. That's, that's my kind of hat, dude. Exactly. I know it. I is. love it. I had it. you written all over it, dude. Absolutely. <laughs> thank uh, you. Anyway, we, yeah, man. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. Well, yeah, if you were there, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to send us any Christmas gifts, we'll take them. We don't care if it's November. We'll take them early. We got no, no problem with that. Tpublic.com if you want to get yeah. Christmas gifts. We don't have the GFY shirt up yet, but uh, let us know <laughs> we'll if you on, want it. We'll work on we'll it. We'll work on it. Got some <laughs> good other good ones. You. Holy cow. That's good a for great you. one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let us know if you were at Staples Center what you thought about this. What do you think about this as the end of this era, the end of the, the, the feud between the beast and the dead man? So let us know your thoughts. And uh, other than that, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you next week. Stay safe out there. And uh, as always, take her easy. <laughs>